history and our history. Thank you for listening to the Mystery in Our History podcast, where we take an in-depth look at all things urban legend and conspiracy theory related and how they came to be. I'm J.R. Supa. This is my white claw. That's Chris Berry. Here we go. Let's do this thing. Black cherry for life. Black cherry. He's a black cherry, man. Uh, right, as you guys last recall... Last episode, Chris and I were discussing the Incubus, the lesser-known male counterpart to this episode's topic, the Succubus. So let's jump right into this installment of our Demon series. And if you're watching on YouTube, yes, these are the same clothes we wore last episode because we recorded two in a row. Don't judge us. Fuck off. Yep. Also, this is going to be good. So just, just, just enjoy. This is don't worry about that. Definitely my preferred uh, of the two demons what's that ah just more interesting (laughs) (laughs) smart sexy and potentially deadly the succubus is not a demon to be underestimated she is a powerful seductress who loves nothing more than to toy with men and although she may seem fun at first you wouldn't want to make her angry all right speak for yourself miss perfect over there It's all you had. Yep. A succubus is a demon in female form, or supernatural entity in folklore traced back to the medieval legend that appears in dreams and takes the form of a woman in order to seduce men, usually through sexual activity. Religious traditions hold that repeated sexual activity with a succubus may result in the deterioration of health or mental state or even death. Now imagine telling people that you need to avoid a succubus in 2019 because they're going to fuck you to death or drive you, like, insane. Like, people are just going to be lining up for it. Oh, honestly. absolutely. Yeah, they're just like, wait, I get to fuck and die? Yeah, Perfect. I'm good. <laughs> it's all they're aiming for half the time anyway. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. <laughs> in modern representations, a succubus may or may not appear in dreams and is often depicted as a highly attractive seductress or enchantress, whereas in the past, succubi were generally depicted as frightening or demonic. Just classic Hollywood, sexing up the demon to sell it. Goddamn right, Chris. (laughs) So let's talk about the folklore. Okay. Perhaps the most famous seductress of all time, Lilith, is known as the mother of all succubi. She appears in Sumerian, Egyptian, Greek, Roman, Judaic, and Christian mythology. In other words, Lilith gets around to all religions. She's a hua. <laughs> Frank Reynolds is channeling you in here, Frank. <laughs> Lilith, called Lilithu, first appeared in Sumerian culture as a goddess of fertility and witchcraft. Later, the Assyrians and Babylonians associated her with dark demons. The Greeks gave Lilith called Lamia an intensive, extensive, sorry, an extensive backstory. She was a beautiful woman who Hera transformed into a monster after her beauty attracted Zeus's roving eye. In her new monstrous form, Lamia roamed the world seducing men and eating babies. 
<laughs> I love I love the thought of basically not knowing what something is and just making up a backstory for it. Because like the Greeks would have made the best dungeon masters, like hands down. <laughs> if D D was in BC. Yep. They would have been rolling stone die. Alright. Judeo Christian mythology also puts their own spin on Lilith's legend. They described her as Adam's first wife, created at the same time as him. Unlike Eve, Lilith was no meek partner. She refused to honor Adam as her leader. Instead, she went off exploring on her own and discovered the Red Sea, where hordes of demons lived. The rebellious woman found that she liked the demons more than Adam, so she mated with them and began bearing Lilium at the rate... Ilium. Lilium, Ilium, I don't know. At the rate of more than 100 per day. These Liliums went out into the world as demons, some of them as sexy and independent as their mother. These became the succubi. It also looks like the Christians are going to throw their hat in the ring for D&D backstories, so that's good. Not bad, right? <laughs> as depicted in the Jewish mystical work Zohar, not to be confused with Don't Mess With a Zohan, and the medieval rabbinical text alphabet of Ben Sira, Lilith was Adam's first wife, who later became a succubus. She left Adam and refused to return to the Garden of Eden after she mated with the archangel Samael. <laughs> and legend has it that Samael was a chad with infinite gains. Because <laughs> <laughs> Swarney was a Kyle, but you know, you never know. <laughs> You'd never know. In Zorastic, Zoharastic, Zoharistic. In Zoharistic Kabbalah, there were four succubi who mated with the archangel Samael. There were four original queens of demons. Lilith, Ishith, which sounds a lot like eat shit. Definitely sounds Agrat like Agrat Bat, Malat, and Nama. <laughs> I'm sorry. Eat shit and Agrat Bat, Malat. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. A succubus may take a form of a beautiful young girl, but closer inspection may reveal deformities of her body, such as bird-like claws or serpentine tails. Folklore also describes the act of sexually penetrating a succubus as akin to entering a cavern of ice, and there are reports of succubi forcing men to perform cunnilingus on their vulvas, which drip with urine and other fluids. In later folklore, a succubus took the form of a siren. Dude, what the fuck, man? That's the grossest thing I think I've heard today. So. Like, drip with urine and other fluids. Like, dripping. Just make, that, yep. that makes me want to puke. So, this will also be not suitable for children when I upload it into YouTube. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, but, on the, on, another, on the other side of the coin, though, Ice Cave Vagina is funny, though. Hilarious. Just, some, just like some ice cold sex we have with the succubus. Mm -hmm. It's just hilarious. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Throughout history, priests and rabbis, including Hanina Ben Dosa and Abaye, tried to curb the power of succubi over humans. However, not all succubi were malevolent. According to Walter Mapp in the satire De Nungus Curialium, Trifles of Courtiers, Pope Sylvester II was allegedly evolved involved with a succubus in 1999-1003 uh, named Mary Dinah, who helped him achieve his high rank in the Catholic Church. Before his death, he confessed of his sins and died repentant. Uh, that's a weird thing to confess on your deathbed, I feel. 
I, I guess he was just looking for salvation or whatever, but it feels like it's almost like a delusion. But this is also take with a grain of salt. And the only reason why I know this is because one of the podcasts that I just recorded for another project today was about um, popes in medieval times. Gotcha. And so uh, it was a little after this, I think. And I think it was Pope John the 12th. Um, he literally just had orgies and worshipped pagan gods. Like that was oh, his, shit. yeah, that was his popehood. And he got caught in the act of fucking another dude's wife and the dude threw the pope out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah. Oh. So like popes back then were fucked up human beings. So like it's not. So I guess it's not that out of the question. Huh? Right. It's not that crazy that, like, this guy would think he's, like, involved with a demon. Or, you know, or or say he was. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now, we're going to get into the cultural representation. So, female sex demons have been around since the dawn of folklore. They can be found in cultures all over the world. India has Yakashini, Arabia has uh, Karina, Native Americans have the Deer Woman, China has Magawi, and Greece has Lamia. It's impossible to know which of these legends came first. Uh, most likely they all evolved separately around the same time. So, I only know this because I watch everything with subtitles because I'm practically deaf. So I was watching Gremlins not too long ago, and I'm going to say that... Uh, Gizmo is the only Mogwai that I'm going to acknowledge. Fair. Not this one. Fair enough. And, uh, but anyway. On a, <laughs> Gizmo on a could have just note, been the male Mogwai. Ooh. Maybe that's Incubus. what the gremlins were. Maybe. Incubus. Maybe that was his bad side. Could be. Anyway. Uh, on a serious note, I find it incredibly interesting that, like, because in this episode and, like, going back to our Mothman episode and even mm -hmm. episodes before that, like, other cultures seeing relatively the same thing or explaining the same thing in the being same all way. over the world um, and just having different names for it. But yep. yeah, it's this thing that does the same thing to these people. So like to me, that's the, that that's the most, I guess that's like the strongest evidence for me for stuff like this. It's like of something existing. Of, yeah. Yeah. Just like it's, I'm was known same, around the world. I'm before. on the same page as you. <clears throat> regarding this yeah um however to play devil's advocate couldn't that just be that we are all like humans have the same like we're all connected in the same way meaning like it doesn't matter if you're living in north america south america china africa wherever you are during this period everybody's still experiencing the same things in their day-to-day -day lives so you have to come up with a way to explain it and and you know what i mean like uh, so the human brain goes to yeah the like the places. human brain operates a certain way no matter where you are and that's just yeah. how they're explaining it i personally like i said i'm on the same page as you are with i think that if everybody's just explaining it the same way they're probably just experiencing it Right, right. No, but what you say it makes a lot of sense too. So, it, I, it's just like they say the human condition. You know what I mean? Like right. it's. 
but it's yeah it's just interesting yeah totally um now the word succubus the actual word succubus which is a combination of latin words meaning to lie down the word first appears in medieval english by the late 15th century, these she-demons were well-known and often discussed by theologians who tried to explain their origin, their ability to reproduce, etc. My mind instantly went to lie down and take a nap, making the name way funnier to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, later, succubi popped up in witch hunts. Women who tried to seduce men were accused of being succubi in disguise, while women who became pregnant outside of wedlock were accused of consorting with incubi. Dude, like, there was just no winning as a woman, like, before, what, 1920? Title IX. Yeah. Yeah. Like, whatever, whenever, it was it 1920, it was in the 20s, right, when women gained the right to vote? Yeah, because they were working alongside of men during World War. Yeah. That was, before then, yes, it, yeah. Yeah. Couldn't. Well, it's crazy, because it didn't matter what you did. It's like, you did something, you're a witch. You're a succubi. And that's just just in America, too. Like, around the world, it wasn't even... Like, you yeah. were still property yeah. in some places. Yeah, it's still like that in some places. During the Renaissance and Romantic period, interest in grotesque, subversive female demons declined. Go figure. Instead, artists shifted their attention to Greeks Lamia, Lamia, whatever it was, who was both beautiful and unfairly cursed. It wasn't until the rise of Gothic Gothic literature that succubi began to reclaim the spotlight, but they were still changed from their original form, being more beautiful and intelligent. And uh, just in case, like, listeners at home don't quite, like, need a visual for the Lamia, um, it was basically like a child-devouring sea monster or a night-haunting demon. Um, And she was the daughter of Poseidon and the mother of the monster Skyla? Uh, Skilla, I, I think. Skilla? Skilla and Achelos. Thank you. Yes, Achelos, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, they were uh, originally the queen loved by Zeus. Yeah. I only know that from playing video games, strangely enough. <laughs> Fair. Remember that great book we talked about last episode? Yes. Yes. The Malleus Maleficarum. Yeah, the one I was just like, what? Sure, that's a thing. Like, yeah, well, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. According to the is. Malleus Maleficarum, or Witcher's Hammer, uh, written by Heinrich Kramer in 1486, like we discussed last episode, succubi collect semen from men they seduce, incubi or male demons, then use the semen to impregnate human females. A lot of rhyming. Hmm. Uh, thus explaining how demons could apparently sire children despite the traditional belief that they were incapable of reproduction. Children so begotten, a.k.a. cambions, were supposed to be those that were born deformed or more susceptible to supernatural influences. While the book does not address why human females impregnated with the semen of a human male would not produce regular human offspring, an explanation could be that the semen is altered before being transferred to the female host. However, in some lore, the child is born deformed because the conception was unnatural. Uh, uh, that's that's pretty cool, huh? To blame the deformities on the succubi or just say it was like a bad relationship or something. Big O, yikes for me. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, if you look at it that way, like, because, I mean, in ancient Greece, if, like, in Sparta, if you were deformed, they just threw you mm -hmm. over a bridge. Yep, that was it. You know what I mean? So that might have been the way it was in other cultures. And the workaround is don't kill my baby. It's deformed because it was fathered by a demon, which means it's probably going to have supernatural powers, so you should keep it around. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, 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 pretty good workaround too. Yeah, not bad, right? It's actually, quick yeah. thinking. Yeah. Now, King James, in his dissertation titled "Demonology," refutes the possibility for angelic entities to reproduce, and instead offered a suggestion that the devil would carry out two methods of impregnating women: first, to steal the sperm out of a dead man and deliver it to a woman. If a demon could extract the semen quickly, the substance could be instantly transported to a female host, causing it to go cold. This explains the view that the succubi and incubi were the same demonic entity, only to be described differently based on the tormented sexes being conversed with. The second was the idea that the dead body could be possessed by the devil, causing it to rise and have sexual relations with others. However, there is no mention of a female corpse being possessed to elicit sex from men. Yeah, I call baloney on that, but... <laughs> uh no it's just some it's just some of the weirdest reasoning tactics i've ever heard it's fantastic um, isn't it yeah I, I just love the whole like they can extract the semen but it's if it goes cold it spoils for lack of a better term yeah i still whatever. like i still like my analogy of of just like siphoning gas from a car tank with a dead body yeah, right <laughs> <laughs> just get it started it's just it, it flows by itself after you know you that's all you gotta it. do <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, in the field of medicine there's some belief that the stories relating to encounters with succubi bear resemblance to the contemporary phenomenon of people reporting <laughs> alien abductions because it all comes back to aliens always As it should it always should go back to aliens <laughs> which has been described in the condition known as sleep paralysis it's therefore suggested that historical accounts of people experiencing encounters with succubi may rather have been symptoms of sleep paralysis with the hallucination of said creatures coming from their contemporary culture. Or could just be that they were abducted by aliens. Yeah. And that checks out. And I'm interested in what more you have for me. <laughs> Good. Because <laughs> it's aliens. Because aliens. Aliens. <laughs> All right. Well, now we touched on the sleep paralysis aspect of things. Since we already discussed that in the Incubus episode... But there's more we have yet to touch on. And most of this comes from an, out, uh, an article on how stuff works, but offers an interesting view on the insight on the demon explanation and its relationship to sleep paralysis. So here we go. <laughs> In The Book of Imaginary Beings, George Louis Borges describes a Chinese myth in which real reality and the world beyond the mirror are separated by an uneasy truce. When that truce inevitably breaks, the strange denizens of the spectacular world will spill back into our own, and the gleaming flesh of unnatural color will be the first to break through the looking glass. Yeah. Okay, then. I guess it's as credible as anything else at this point. <laughs> <laughs> sure. The experience of sleep paralysis is very much like a glimpse of that portentous fish. It distorts the line between the worlds of unconscious dreaming and our conscious experience of reality, because indeed there's a biological truce between sleep and wakefulness, and when it breaks, that's when the demon creeps in. Yes, okay, all right. 
We tend to think of nightmares as mere dreams of a particularly disturbing or frightening power, but the etymology of the word delivers us directly into the terror of sleep paralysis. Mare stems from Mara, the Anglo-Saxon word for crusher, a stark reference to that typical sensation of some entity a squat, <laughs> some entity a squat upon the sleeper's chest. Yeah, squatting on chest. Okay, yep. sure. So, so the Maras so of Anglo-Saxon folklore were small imps or goblins, much like the squatter in Harry Fusilli's iconic 1781 painting, The Nightmare. Other cultures, both ancient and modern, adapted different descriptions. In Newfoundland, Canada, the old hag suffocates the sleeper with her hideous, hoary bulk, while the Greek uh, Ephialtes leaps upon its slumbering prey like a great and lonesome frog. All right, getting a little bit more wild with the hags and frogs, but mm-hmm. still keeping an open mind. We got goblins. Ephialtes, I'm pretty sure they used him as the deformed, fucked up thing in 300. Oh, almost positive. His or or uh, maybe not Efiertes. They call them Efiertes, not Efialtes. Okay. Yeah. It's Close. been so long since I've seen that movie. Uh, yeah. Now each culture has its own rules and exp- expectations in place for these entities of sleep paralysis. Each drawing on different worldviews, fears, and supernatural beliefs. Sometimes there's even a precautionary system in place, such as placing iron nails under your mattress to deter the French. <laughs> Kashamar, or employing a dream-eating Baku in Japan. And and to this day, we don't really have an answer as to why sleep paralysis happens or even how dreams work. Um, I, I personally think we still have a very long way to fully, long way to go to fully understand like how the human brain works and I think that there is even more potential to the human brain that oh, we yeah. have unlocked. Absolutely. So I... Now, while the cultural particulars vary, we can describe most of these Maras as demonic in nature, even the alien abduction experience, which serves as a frequent modern wrapping for the experience, involves a frightening physical assault by an unearthly being. Yeah, good. So it's uh, it's just the aliens, right? Correct. It's just aliens. Sunky buyer aliens. Now, enter the succubus. Demon on human sex was a subject of surprising complexity in the 15th century Europe. On one hand, as much as half of the general public experienced sleep paralysis, confounded by sexual dreams and nocturnal emissions in both sexes. Remember, the terror of the sleep paralysis experience is due to a combination of situational and individual factors. Throw in a religious script of sexual impurity and a rich tapestry of witchcraft theory, and you have quite a recipe for a scandalous demonic encounter. Sleep paralysis can prove terrifying. Even a single experience can resonate throughout a person's lifetime, and humans throughout history have aimed to give the malevolent, hallucinatory hallucinatory presence at its heart and name a cause and a purpose with the fabric of their own worldview. And thus they glimpse their demon in the dark. Now, did I I uh, did I ask you last episode if you've experienced sleep paralysis or did I was it Yeah, we else? covered we covered it. Um, That's what I thought. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, cuz again, I've never experienced we covered paralysis it an itself. hour ago. 
<laughs> Listen, you you know you know my brain. You know why my um, brain even. <laughs> yeah, I've never experienced sleep paralysis, but I've done like lucid dreaming and stuff like that. Right. Okay. All right. Now, we've covered these two infamous demons over two episodes, and you can draw your own conclusions on believing in them or not. I, for one, tend to lean the same way I do when it comes to the paranormal, but I don't know about you, Chris. What do you think? So, I try my best to keep an open mind about everything paranormal, uh, but one of the things that bends my mind more towards uh, it being fact is evidence backing up claims, Mm -hmm. Um, and and I'm very open-minded about any claim as long as there's something to back it up. Um, and when it comes to stuff like demons, my mind times, uh, tends to go kind of like, yeah, that's just people who don't know as much as, uh, we know, trying to explain things away, uh, in their brain. Mm -hmm. Um, everything here has been more or less like people believe ABC because X, Y, Z, meaning they use the sex demons to explain away unwanted pregnancies to birth defects, to mental illnesses. Um, if you indulge too much with the, with the sex with it. Uh, sex demons Mm -hmm. um in fact uh during uh a little bit of research for this episode i tried to find more cases that were closer to modern day um with uh a little bit of evidence backing it up or pictures or whatever um and i just kind of came up empty Uh, i'm not saying they don't exist i just couldn't find any and i looked everywhere from google to 4chan and came up with nothing (laughs) And before y'all judge me, listen, I'm dedicated to research. Uh, you find some of the best shit on the X board, okay? Yeah, absolutely. No, it makes sense. Um, but I think like we had discussed last episode, it's it's very interesting that all corners of the world are experiencing the same thing at the same time and calling it the same thing. Just right, with a, you know right. what I mean, or describing the same thing just with a different name. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that that kind of helps lean towards and that's the most like to me. That's the most solid evidence that right. I've seen. Uh, while but that's also these. the same solid evidence we use for aliens too. So, right. <laughs> but this episode, in particular, would not be complete unless we gave some firsthand and historical accounts of encounters with these demons. So here you go. Oh boy, I uh, I bet none of these happened in the twentieth century. Well, we'll find out now, won't we, Chris? <laughs> A pope prospered while under the spell of a succubus. A medieval chronicle. Let's try that again. A medieval chronicler recorded a true story concerning a young man who became involved with a succubus and who later became Pope Sylvester II. When this pope was a young student, he was called Gerbert of Aurillac. Yeah, right? Yeah, I'm dribbling water all over myself while you're reading. (laughs) Now, Gerbert fell in love with a beautiful daughter of a university dean. She considered him too far beneath her social station and rejected him. Filled with passion and angst for the woman who turned him down, Gerbert became obsessed with thoughts of lust and sex. It was then that he met a strange but beautiful young woman who seemed to appear out of nowhere. Her name was Mary Diana. Not to be confused with the Michael Jackson song, Dirty Diana. Dirty Diana? Mm. Now, she was quite keen to offer him all sorts of sexual contact, esoteric knowledge, and even promised to make him rich. 
all of these stunning offers held one condition. He must remain faithful to her alone. Naturally, being a young and horny guy, Gerbert readily complied. He was steadfast to marry Diana, and as their relationship continued, his prospects increased very quickly. In no time, he was appointed Archbishop of Remis, Reims, Reims, Archbishop of Reims, a position far above that of the snobby university dean's daughter. Eventually, he became Pope. Now, it is of course well known that Catholic clergy were charged with maintaining chastity, so Gerbert had to keep Mary Diana a closely guarded secret, as, and she maintained her loyalty as well, encouraging and creating his success, and even once forgave him for cheating on her when he became drunk and cheated with the dean's daughter. Hey, finally banged her. Good for him. All right. Apparently, she did not fully forgive him, however, because she later made the prediction that he would die soon on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem while he was celebrating Mass. Gerbert was terrified and immediately arranged a public confession of his lifetime of sexual sins. He had not confessed and repented. Had he not confessed and repented, he believed he surely would have died and gone straight to hell. While he immediately canceled his planned trip to Jerusalem, he later died in Rome, where it is said his tomb now appears covered in sweat just before the death of a pope. Damn. Neat. That's uh, yeah, right. I mean, before you told me that Pope were just uh, raging orgy having dudes back in medieval days, um, and Fuck honestly, it, it kind of sounded like it was a convenient excuse uh, for a successful Pope to have a side affair. No, when yeah. he was exposed, make up some sort of lie, being like, "Oh, I was to do succubus." Like, I don't know, man. It's it's wishy washy, yeah, but were just, like, they were fucking. Yeah, they were nuts. They were they were fuck machines back then. Yeah, they were. Well, Chris, I hope you know that prayer won't protect you from a succubus. Okay. That's good to know. Yes. Because the 19th century French author J.K. Huysmans became the victim of a succubus while he was sleeping in a monastery. Oh. Huysmans was actually on a pilgrimage of sorts. He had spent years of his life engaged in an exploration of the paranormal, and now his pilgrimage was intended to help him return to the Christian faith of his childhood. While his intentions were earnest, perhaps he was still subconsciously attracting the wrong sort of spiritual attention. One night, while he slept in the, the monastic cell, he awoke suddenly in the middle of a sexual climax, and just glimpsed a succubus as she was vanishing. He was convinced it was no dream, since the bed he slept in held evidence of another form that had lain beside him while he slept. There was a belief at the time that such incidents took place when succubi sought semen from victims, then changed into incubi, and used it to impregnate their female victims. <sighs> Again, man, it just it just sounds like a mix between like nocturnal emissions and sleep paralysis. I mean, listen, I wasn't there. Maybe the sex demon gave him a bang of his life. Could but, be. again, I'm not convinced. Yeah, that's I don't fair. Know. Do, like, do you know if anyone saw the imprint next to him? I don't know. It didn't say. Yeah, I'd be way more willing to believe it if, like, someone else was just if like, If somebody hey, else shit, came look. in and be like, oh, hey, who's sleeping in your hey, bed there? There's, like, a body print right there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's fair. Now, here's another warning. Exhaustion opens the door to succubus torture. Okay. Yeah. Mm, here we go. 
<laughs> when Ethan arrived home late one evening in December 2012. Oh, shit. That's yeah, the 21st dog. century. Okay. The All Bakers- right. I take it back. It, yep. The Bakersfield, California youth was beyond exhausted. He had spent a very long day studying and listening to lectures at school. As soon as he arrived home, he collapsed into bed, desiring sleep over all else. And yet, he slept fitfully, with thoughts of dread and worry that someone or something was breaking into his home and approaching his bedroom door. Suddenly, whatever it was broke through his door, startling him from sleep. The invading entity flew to the wall behind Ethan's bed and held his limbs down firmly. His ears began to vibrate, even to the point of pain. The young man cried out for help, cursing whatever was restraining him, but the entity only laughed at him in a frightening voice. Suddenly, the entity, which later Ethan determined to have been a succubus, cried out, Soon! and let go of the terrified young man. Heart pounding, Ethan dashed to turn on the lights, but nothing appeared amiss. Only his dogs seemed to understand that something dangerously evil had entered the home. They barked and scratched at the door, worried about what was happening to their owner. Ethan then wandered into the bathroom to have a look in the mirror. He was shocked to see that his eyes were completely bloodshot and red. Yeah, I mean, again, while this one is indeed in the 21st century, uh, I'm reluctant. It's just an account of one person saying, like, hey, this happened to me. Well, like, really nothing to back it up. I mean, I'm not the authority to say it didn't happen. Uh, I don't know. It makes an interesting story, and so I can see why, like, you would share it, but I don't know. (laughs) Well, let's talk about the next one. Okay. Where a succubus posed as a child's imaginary friend. A young man named Patrick reported that in 2012, Chris. Another one. He was the unwitting victim of a succubus that took the form of an imaginary friend he had in childhood. The imaginary friend was called Lucy, and she would come and play with Patrick when he was alone or lonely. Lucy watched the boy grow and told him that one day when he reached puberty, she would teach him some new, interesting, and exciting things, things that he hadn't even imagined. Patrick's parents were concerned and they sent him to a number of psychologists trying to learn why he was becoming obsessed with a fictional invisible character. Nothing helped. Here's why. Because the character was jerking him off. Mm -hmm. Then when Patrick turned 16, he says that Lucy began encouraging him to meet and date real women. She remained nearby to help him and teach him how to make himself and his partner sexually satisfied. And so began Patrick's sexual relationship with Lucy the succubus. He claims Lucy stuck around for years, continuing to have a variety of sensual and sexual experiences with her victim. Then Patrick met and fell in love with a real woman. They married, and at that point he began to see Lucy less and less. Then one day she was gone. After some years had passed, Patrick began to have trouble with his marriage. He began to feel Lucy returning, but he has never revealed if she resumed the relationship with her or remained with his wife. Uh, I guess. I mean, there's like, okay, so there's like documentation of like he's been talking to Lucy ever since he was a kid um, and continues to talk about Lucy past 16 Again, I'm trying to keep, like, an open mind about these things, because I, I like to, but, you know, 
again, it just kind of feels like um, some sort of, I don't want to say mental illness, but like just something going on, right? It's fair. It's fair. It's fair. I don't know. It's yeah, fair. I mean, I... Next story. Okay. A succubus accosted her victim in public. Mm, See, I was drunk in a bar. You threw me into public. <laughs> little little Ron White for everybody. Um, some men are not only willing victims of a succubus, they actually research, plan, and summon the female sex demons. Okay. Here we go, baby. Yep, all right. An anonymous online poster claims he prayed to Lilith to send a succubus to him. Online meaning 21st century. Mm, okay. And soon, that's what happened. He described her as a slender, tall, with fair skin and flaming long red hair. He called her Alira, which is also, I believe, my health insurance, but that's beside the point. And she stayed with the man for a number of days and nights. Excuse me. The sex, he stated, was incomparable to any he'd experienced before, because he was probably a virgin. And Alira was positively insatiable. He was in heaven and could not believe his good fortune, singing praises to Lilith for helping him. But after a while, an evil presence also entered the man's life, pushing Alira out. How he interacted with her changed as well. Sometimes he could only see her in his head or hear her in his mind because he's crazy, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> Other times he would be out in public and suddenly she would appear to him, touching him in intimate ways, exciting him and simultaneously embarrassing him as others were around and watching. Perhaps that sort of activity was under the control of the more malevolent force. Mm -hmm. Sure, yeah. Just, that's just how you explain away, you know, just getting awkward coming in your pants in the middle of the subway yeah jesus christ dude <laughs> look man all i'm gonna say about this one was uh anonymous online poster claims and be done with that right yeah like <laughs> so like i know from time to time i check out anonymous stories here and there but like i only really care when there's like a timestamp of some pictures or like that's fair you know what i mean um well then you're gonna so hate some the next sort one. of like yeah <laughs> uh, but i mean what 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 I'm trying to boil it down is LARPs have become very popular recently not to check like the backstory of these things. So that's explain for the people at home, what a LARP is. LARP stands for live action role play, but LARPs are also now taken on a new uh, life, I guess online where people basically make a story. Um, I, I wish I could remember what this story was about, but like you'll, you'll see a lot of like ones about ghosts on Twitter a LARP about um, someone who claims that their doll is... I, I wish I could remember the name. But there was one in particular where someone claimed that their doll was possessed on Twitter. Oh, okay. They had, they had pictures. They had recordings. But it was all faked. And it was all faked because it was supposed to be a story that was supposed to be, quote-unquote, real because it was on Twitter. Got it. But indeed, in the end, it was a fake story. But... If you don't do your research, someone can just stumble upon that and go, holy shit, evidence right. of a of a possessed doll. And I saw start, the photos. They I saw start the videos. sharing it, and then it becomes right. viral. And, and that's, how it, that's how they work. Like, yep. That's how LARPs work. So. Got it. Well, here's another anonymous poster. A male <laughs> virgin was utterly corrupted by a succubus. Okay. Another anonymous internet poser was eager to tell of his own personal succubus experience. He is diagnosed as bipolar 1. 
So there's your disclaimer. Yeah. And was in the midst of his first manic episode when he first encountered the succubus. Though he was everywhere. I know. Jesus. Sorry. That's okay. Though he was raised a Christian, he was also just overcoming an addiction to pornography. In other words, the timing and circumstances were ripe for a visit from a succubus or for him to make this shit up. Right. Or have a mental break. Yeah, exactly. He says the experience began with the sensation of a gentle yet profoundly deep touch to his hand, Mm. which spread like warmth all over his entire body. At this point, he was fully conscious but wondering what was going on. He claims he could not see the succubus, but sensed her speaking to him as well as touching him. She asked him to go to a private place in his home. He wound up in his car, and that is when the succubus went into action, giving him roadhead. (laughs) Over the next few minutes, he began to see her form and her eyes, both of which were beautiful, yet he could not see her breasts or genitals, even though he had contact with both. He claimed one of the most amazing parts of his experience was the perfume she exuded. It was intoxicating. She continued to morph throughout the time he shared with her, transforming her hair color, her eyes, her body, even her ethnicity. Quote, I felt as though we were in the Garden of Eden, making love for the first time in all creation, end quote, he wrote. (laughs) Garden of Eden is a brand that (laughs) Whole Foods carries. (laughs) The Garden of Eden is a vegan restaurant that I'm going to open because it's the greatest name for a fucking vegan restaurant. (laughs) Um... Also, just real quick there, um, I love the idea of the succubus being like, hey, you got like a private place in this house that we can go have some time? And he's just like, yeah, baby, my car in the driveway. (laughs) (laughs) That's outside. (laughs) Anyway, uh, but uh, the point I wanted to make was, uh, uh, yeah, dude, like being bipolar, having pornography withdrawals, I think your brain just kind of is going to make up what it needs to to get you through that difficult time. And in a manic episode right exactly exactly all right last one (laughs) a succubus seduced a man while his wife slept beside him either she's the heaviest sleeper on the planet or this guy is the biggest dick ever either way succubi don't care who they hurt or who sees them doing their quote-unquote work that was that was a demon it was. That was that was the, the bad pushing out, or the good pushing out all the bad. I'll cut that part out. <laughs> Why? Leave it. Leave a this, too. <laughs> a case in point. A young woman named Veronica, which is a very good Elvis Costello song, and her husband had a strange and violent encounter with a succubus that invaded their bedroom. The two were fast asleep one night when Veronica suddenly awakened and saw her husband being raped by a beautiful blonde with strange shining eyes and pale skin. It had to be rape, she claimed, because her husband was just lying there like nothing was happening. Nothing. (laughs) The succubus saw Veronica watching, snarled, reached over, and slapped Veronica in the face so hard that the impact tossed her from the bed. Once she stood up and looked around, the woman had left. She then woke up her husband, who had no memory of what had just taken place, but there was evidence that something strange had happened in his pants. Veronica had a busted lip and was bleeding from where the succubus had scratched her. A small piece of what looked like a medallion was embedded in her husband's skin. 
The couple called the police, but they didn't believe their story. It took three weeks for Veronica's injuries to heal. <laughs> yeah, the police didn't believe their story. They were probably just like, oh, this guy's a woman basher, and the succubus story is a cover-up. <laughs> like, Jesus, dude. Like, I, I don't know, man. These stories are, are they're, they're, they don't really strengthen my belief in uh, sex demons. In fact, kind of pushed me the other way in disbelief. Okay, um, if I then. if I will, that's fair. That's fair. But hey, if I ever stumble upon anything like a, like a more current story with like a little bit of like background or evidence, like yeah. say say this last one we just listened to, right? You said that there was a piece of medallion left in him. Where's the medallion? Show right. me the picture. Right. Why are there no pictures of this medallion yeah. in your skin or digging it out and taking it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I hear you. I mean, these these aren't. Um, I didn't put these in to convince people one way or the other. I, we're talking about demons, so we should at least have some, you know, first-hand accounts of them. Oh, dude, if I, I'm not gonna lie, I like I like when you have like a, a little story time at the end yeah, of these episodes. Story time like, is it's fun. fun. I just listen, yeah. You know, we did it with like Aoki Gahara. We did it with yeah. this. Like the, when we do like paranormal shit, it's fun to have the encounters in there. Absolutely, it, it gives you something interesting to listen to, and yeah, like it gives the viewers uh, and listeners something to listen to, and yeah, exactly. Well, that's how we're going to wrap up this time on the Mystery in Our History podcast. So if you have any urban legends or conspiracy theories that you think we should cover, feel free to email us at the number four guys media network at gmail.com. Oh. Please make sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Click the like and subscribe icons on YouTube on the number four guys media network page. Or check us out on SoundCloud by searching MIOH pod, all one word. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time on the Mystery in Our History podcast. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>